Good morning, founders. Welcome to another episode of The Gab Lab, a show that is designed to bring you financial information and intelligence that will blow your mind, but it will also build your bottom line. Today's episode champion is Community Futures of Manitoba with over 16 offices throughout the province to help you build your business and to help you nail your numbers. My name is Tony Woods Richardson. I am your show host today, and I am joined in the Gab Lab with today's guest, Brian Quinlan. Welcome, Brian. Great, great to be here. Thanks for the oh, invite. Okay. So happy you're here. You're a chartered accountant, correct? Partner of Campbell Lawless in Toronto, yep. Ontario. And Brian, you're going to chat with us today about tax tips and strategies to navigating our 2020 tax return, but great. specifically how we, uh, how we kind of take, not take advantage of, but how we incorporate all of the benefits that we received, the COVID benefits in 2020, and how those are going to converge with our return this year. So sure. okay. thank you. I know there's a lot of founders that are trying to navigate this and maneuver this. So I know that your information will be um, of great help and insight. Great. Happy to help out. Okay. Awesome. So with every episode, as we do, we break down this topic into three bite-sized pieces because there's a lot that we're going to cover. Our first part, for all the founders listening out there, our first part, we're actually going to take a look at personal taxes. So even as a business owner, what we need to know when we're taking care of our personal tax return. Our second part, we're going to move into the corporate taxes and some of the benefits that we received for the business. And then the third part, Brian, thank you. You're going to help us to actually be more proactive instead of reactive when it comes to what we need to, to, to keep in mind for a 2021 sure. tax return yep. going forward. Great. All right. Okay. So let's get started. As we do with every show, we love to talk about the correlation between our topic, such as taxes, and yes. net profit bottom right. line results. So I, I mean, I can state the obvious, which is about the bigger our bottom line, the more tax we spend or the more tax we pay. But I know you right. have a really unique perspective on this. Uh, right. What the accountant does is, as we were, um, is accountant can't make you money, but accountant can let you keep what you've made. So if you're selling widgets, it's up to you to sell more widgets. If you're investing, it's up to you and your investment advisor to go from a 6% return to a 9% return. The accountant's focus really is, is how to structure that, whether it be a small business or holding investments. For individuals with investments, it would be, should it be in your RRSP? Should it be in your TFSA? Should it be in a spouse's hands or a family trust? And of course, with a, a corporation business, you want to structure your affairs to take advantage of many income tax incentives that are in the Income Tax Act. Should you have a holding company? Should you have a separate company for holding real estate versus your operation? So it comes down to the accountant in terms of structuring your affairs to take advantage and minimizing the taxes, um, no matter what your I guess net profit is that you've made and the accountant is going to take the tax bill off that. Again, as people say, it's good that you're paying tax because that makes you're making profit. Are you paying as least amount of tax as legally possible would be the question to ask for yourself and, and your accountant. Great. Awesome. And I know that you, uh, you have very specific language that you like to use and it's about, you know, not taking advantage of loopholes, but Right. They're not. They're, they're, people say the income tax has loopholes for businesses and things like that. And I, I, and I would say, no, it doesn't. It's got incentives in the act. Um, the government wants you to do certain things with your money so they get a tax break for it. For example, we all can have the TFSA invest without paying tax. The government wants you to save. So they have the TFSA rules. 
they want you to fund your own retirement. Or, um, so they have the RRSP rules to take advantage of. So yes, you get a deduction and things like that. So, and with businesses, especially the small business, we have the capital gain exemption. The government wants you to go out, start a small business, hire a bunch of people, buy trucks and cars, rent a warehouse. So there's incentives to do that. The capital gain exemption available for a small business owner is a fantastic exemption. Um, makes people in the U.S. jealous of what we have for small business in terms of, of income taxes. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to point out here, too, I know a lot of founders, many founders, myself included, we, we get confused by all the different incentives that are out there. And, you know, I know, um, I know that many founders may abdicate some of their financial decisions to bookkeepers or to accountants. But what I find so powerful about your role is that this is your your role, right? It's about mitigating taxes, but knowing all of these details, up to the founder to ask the questions about where can different opportunities, you know, where do the opportunities exist? Where do the incentives exist? And this is really the, the whole premise of this show is to give founders the, the uh, I don't want to use ammunition, but the tools and the intelligence needed to be able to go ask accountants these questions. You know, right, I right. Ryan talking about this the other day, what are yeah. we doing and how are we using it in our business? Well, that's interesting because that's the discussion um, I don't want to have. Uh, I want to be the one that's proactive. Um, so if you have a bookkeeper doing your books, a bookkeeper is a great bookkeeper. A bookkeeper is not designed to restructure your company into holding companies and, and move real estate out and things like that. So that is the role of an accountant is to be more proactive. So accountants get excited when a budget comes. We have a federal budget coming in March. There might be some tax planning things that come out of that. So it's our, our role is in late March to co- discuss this with all the clients, what they should do to take advantage of the new incentives that are in the budget. So um, we deal with many entrepreneurs and they run around with their heads cut off and, and doing deals and something we pick up the pieces and we say, well, let's put this piece here and this piece there. So that's really what our role is, is to not wait for the entrepreneur to ask us the question. We should be more proactive. And if your account's not being proactive, why not is the, is the question. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Brent. I think that is extremely important for founders to know and understand the accountant is a part of your team and all of you are moving that ball forward and getting it to the, <laughs> getting it to the goal line. All right. Right. So COVID. Yes. So we've got taxes coming up. April is quickly approaching. This is not a regular tax return year. It's going to be okay. like any other that we've ever experienced. Um, let's switch gears and move to, as a founder, I have a personal life. I've got personal taxes that I'm responsible for. Yes. Many entrepreneurs have been able to access different benefit or subsidy programs that our Canadian government put in place for both employees as an employee of a business, but also as a a self-employed individual. So, how should we start this conversation? Where where do you want to lead us on this? There's a lot to talk about. Well, let's go with the personal tax return first, because that's all on top of mind for, for many of us. It's it's still, um, we had many extensions last year. Um, accountants complain tax season never ended. You don't like doing personal tax returns in July and August, but, but we have no extensions yet. So everything is really due. Your money is due at the end of April still. Um, if you, you're, um, the big thing there for an individual, um, if they receive the CERB, the Canadian Emergency Relief Benefit or the Canadian Recovery Benefit, that is taxable. So that's something new that will go on a tax return, um, something new to disclose. And I think the government's right now is sending out T4A slips 
to, set, to tell you what CERB or CRB you did receive in calendar 2020. Um, the scary part of that is it may come as a surprise, the initial CERB, Canadian Emergency Recovery Benefit, did not ha have any tax withheld. So you may find you actually have a tax bill and the Canadian Recovery Benefit only had a 10% tax withheld. So you could owe money come April, which is a very tough thing to, to deal with, um, especially if, if your income really was zapped in 2020. So that's kind of a, a surprise for many people is that these benefits are taxable. Mm -hmm. um, you should get a T4A slip in the mail shortly. Um, and there could be a few dollars of tax owing on that. So so a couple of things there, the CERB, that was, that was actually put in place quite quickly. It's my understanding yes. it closed December 2nd of yep. 2020. And then after that, is that when they moved to the CRB? Exactly. It's a similar thing. It's a okay. time to be, but they did withhold at least 10% of tax. Okay. So on that one. went into the EI system, which withhold okay. tax as well. And you'll get a T4E slip in the mail shortly kind of thing. And again, that tax, that combines with all your income may not be yes. sufficient. So you could have a tax bill on April 30th. So the key there is, is don't wait for an extension. We may not have an extension this year as we did last year and you could have a liability. So the least, and you don't wanna be late with your tax. There's interest and penalties and things like that. So that's the surprise. Uh, it's nice that the government jumped in last a year ago, I guess, in March last year mm -hmm. to, to start paying these things out, but it is taxable and some people have forgotten about that. Okay. So um, a couple of questions there. The income that comes in through the SERP, as you mentioned, so this is for the calendar year, it would close off December 31st. You're going to be taxed on that based on the bracket that you would fall into, correct? All your income goes together on a tax return and exactly. you figure out what okay. your effective tax rate is. And um, you may find there's a tax bill because the tax hasn't been taken off. Uh, we all know when we work, we usually work and the, your employer takes your tax off and at the end of the year without any special credits or deductions, you should break even, not owe any, not any tax or have a tax refund if the employers withheld the correct amount. But here your employer hasn't been involved in everything. So they may have paid you a wage in January and February pre-COVID. Um, right. So we don't know what your tax rate is and whether you'll, you'll owe money or not. Right. And I think for many founders that are listening in, if they are, even if they have an incorporation, many haven't listed themselves as an employee. So they're taking a draw or a dividend from the business yes. and then not paying the tax on that. So any of that personal income that you're bringing in, you're going to add your, your, your CRB to that, your curb to that. And then uh, it's my understanding that the there's still is it it's thirteen thousand two hundred and twenty nine that isn't taxed and then anything above that with your income then you start falling into the tax brackets is that right it, it, exactly we all have the basic credit which kind of varies between provinces um, okay so but generally I would say we all get the first twelve thousand or so tax free okay so if your income was twelve thousand or under your tax bill is going to work out to zero anyway but okay. After that, we get into like a 20% tax rate. And so what about some of the other benefits that we may have received at home, um, such as the, the recovery caregiver benefit, the, the, um, we've, you were talking about the, the CRB, the recovery sickness benefit, yes, that's okay. CRSB. So CRSB, recovery sickness benefits, CRCB, yes. recovery caregiver benefit. Yes. The, the government, it was great. It stepped in with, you know, lots of financial support for us. But is, does that same 
um, law apply where we're going to be taxed on those dollars that came into the house? You're right. It's, it, yeah. it's exactly the same. So it okay. was paid to you. You'll get a T4A slip. And, but those newer benefits, those ones you just mentioned, had at least 10% tax withheld. Okay. So it's not like Smart. the original CERB, which has zero tax withheld. Okay. So Makes but it they all will be taxable on your 2020 return, right? Okay. One question that I have regarding CERB. For those, I know there was a lot of conversation around um, self-employed individuals that initially got access to CERB, so they, they, they brought it in, then they found out that they actually weren't eligible for it, and that that money needs to be repaid in yes. full, okay. and as mine are saying, there's a class action lawsuit on that right now, but yes. right now, it's still, it, it's still repayable, it has to go back. Is that money that is, is also taxable or because it needs to be paid is that is that is there a different application that's applied to that story specifically okay well that, that's a good story a story everyone is watching because the government really hasn't uh one of those letters that you referred to were sent out to people saying you didn't qualify for the serve i don't think anyone's been assessed yet asking for the money okay. back okay. so the idea is obviously if you had to pay money back you shouldn't pay tax on it but it wasn't paid back in 2020 um, it's not going to be recognized when you get your T4A slip. So it's fully going to be taxed in 2020 because you didn't repay anything in 2020. So the government's really, the whole idea of that is, as any accountant knows, the definition of what income is. And accountants for tax 101 is we learn what total income is, which differs from net income, which differs from taxable income. So three different definitions of income um, that accountants live for, but no one else does. And that's, that's how the mix-up started, is what is defined as income. And as you're saying there, for someone applying for CERB, it was net income. So it was your revenue from being self-employment, less your expenses. So, Okay. All right. This is why we hire the pros. This is why we hire okay. the pros. And, and you start early up. as well. Start early. You're starting now. It's only February. Nothing is due until April. So okay. you've got lots of time. And the media like this will have lots of um, articles and, and yes. seminars and webinars and things like that. So Beautiful. I well, think that's a really important point, Brian, it's, you know, it's about taking those small but consistent steps, right, even if people put aside half an hour every day to just continue to look at it and dig it up, it won't feel yes. so overwhelming come, uh, come March. Yes. Okay. And, and with electronics, it's gotten better in the last few years. Um, legally, now you can receive your T4 by email, which before you had to have give permission. So a lot of things, as we're finding pre-COVID now, and even what I'm seeing now, is everything, the banks and the investment advisors are all pretty tech savvy. So you're getting your T5s, you're getting your T4s, you're getting things much quicker than before. So you can plan it. You don't have to go looking in that cupboard in the kitchen where you put your charity receipts and your T4 and things like that. So it is getting a bit easier in terms yes. of technology to be organized. So. Okay. And it's my understanding too, CRA, you can set up a My Account, right, where everything should be listed there. So you don't necessarily need to wait for it to be sent to you either, right? To take a proactive that, that's approach a, to it. That's a great point. Everyone, everyone should have a My Account at CRA. Okay. Um, there's a risk there though, because the, what, what, what you're saying is you can get, see your tax slips and, and you're right, mo most of your tax slips will be there, but not all of them. Um, uh, the, often your T4 is there because everything that's due by the end of February, like your T4 and perhaps your T5 from the banks will be there. If people have mutual funds or some partnerships, those slips come out later in March and they're not always updated on the website as quickly as you might want them. So, so it's great that you can go to your CRA, my account, see all your tax slips, but it's not going to be, I wouldn't 
never guarantee, the government doesn't declare it complete. Okay. Okay. And your RSP slips probably won't be there and your charity donations won't be there and things like that. But you're no question, it, it's very helpful. And if you're doing your own taxes, a lot of um, tax software lets you download. So you don't even have to key in your T4, you can just download it. So there's no typos or, or things like that. Okay. Okay. All right. And anything else that we should be um, that we should be double checking when we're looking at these T4s with respect to COVID benefits? Anything we need to watch for specifically, other than making sure everything's in there? Well, something new with the T4. This impacts the employer a bit. Is is there's three extra boxes or four extra boxes on a T4 this year at the bottom, where you had to disclose um, when the employee got that wage. So as opposed to reporting. You made 30000 for the year. You still have to report that in the T4. That's going to be taxed. But there's four new boxes that have to break it down into certain periods uh, when the employee was paid. And the periods match up with the SUEs, which we'll probably discuss shortly, is what they're trying to do or is, is if, to see if the employee was working and getting the SERB at the same time. So there is some extra work on doing the T4s this year. Not dramatically extra work, but the government has set it up so they can start double checking for people that might have double dipped. We're still working throughout the year and getting a SERB. Okay. So that's that's something new on a T4 this year. You'll see a few extra boxes which won't increase or decrease your tax. It just gives the government an idea when you made that money, like okay. what part of the year. So thank you for that. Good insight to to know going forward. And okay. so the last piece on personal, I'm just curious about. Um, you know, many self-employed people work from home and they're probably familiar with all the different, uh, you know, tax incentives that we have working yes, from okay. home and what we can write off. For those entrepreneurs and founders that were new to working from home, it, are there any incentives or things that we need to be aware of for that new founder where this is a new exercise for them, kind of shifting, shifting gears, anything that they need to know? Okay, uh, I would say um, nothing new for COVID. Um, okay. If you work out of your, your own house, um, the rules haven't changed at all. You still okay. declare part of you might say you have one bedroom, one sixth of your house is your office. So if that's your main office, then you'll claim one sixth of the running expenses of your home, including the big ones like property tax and mortgage interest. So the real change there for home office is more not so much the self-employed person, but the employed person. So if your employee employer came to you in early March last year and said, no, we're, we're closing up, you got to mm -hmm. go home and work at a home, you as an employee, because of COVID, you had to work out of your house, you now can write off some of your expenses. And that will be new this year for many employees, the first time they've ever taken a, a home office expenses against their employment income. Right. So the government's adapted to this. Your employer is to give you a form called the T2200S. It's like a... The yes is for short, so it's simple and short. And what that'll let you do is, is take a deduction on your personal tax return this year for at least $400. So if you figure out what you spent in terms of the home, um, it's very simple. If you don't want to calculate it, the government will say, if you worked at full-time at home since last mid-March, when we all kind of got shifted home, then there's a $400 deduction for you there. So right, right away. So without any receipts, any calculations, it's, it's there. Okay. If you think you spent more than uh, $400, then you may want to get a full T2200 form from, the, from your employer, and you'll write off a bigger expense than $400. So that could be brand new for a lot of employees um, that were sent home to work from home with, with COVID, because yeah. of COVID. 
I imagine so. And so for, you know, for the founders, for the entrepreneurs that are, are listening in here, even if, if you are recognized as an employee of the business and that's how you've been paying yourself, this may apply to you in this situation, right? So just putting yeah. that hat on as you think about this. Yes. Three quick questions in this. Um, use, is there a ceiling on what you can write off? You said if your office is one sixth of your house or you're actually doing your square foot measurement, it, but is yeah. there a ceiling on that? Um, yes and no. How's that for a good accounting answer? So, okay. <laughs> mm, might be a lawyer answer. No, I'm <laughs> That's right. Um, not so much to the quantum or the dollar value. It's, it's what, what expenses you can write off. So a self-employed person is a broader thing. Again, I mentioned okay. you could write off part of your property taxes and part of your mortgage interest if you're self-employed, but if you're employed, you can't. Oh, so okay. if you're employed, it really is more utilities and perhaps internet. Um, okay. perhaps the phone. So a self-employed person is the best way to be in terms of tax, in terms of tax write-off. So that's it. an employee. And this year, maybe the first year they're writing off home office expenses, they're quite restricted. So again, it's not so much gotcha. the dollar amount, it's what type of expenses. Okay, makes sense. Thanks for that clarification. Okay. All right. So my takeaways from this, tell me if I'm, if I'm uh, in line with this, there's no extensions to start early. This is number one. Start pulling as of, all as, of the, as of now, I'm leaning we probably will have something, but nothing right now. Okay. So get started early, schedule it in, set up the my account so you Definitely. can start to yeah. see what's coming in, but don't yeah. take it verbatim. Yeah. You know, know that there might be uh, additional numbers coming in there. And then just kind of getting a handle too on all of the income that came in, start pulling that together. And if you've worked from home, start measuring square yes, footage so, yes. okay. and understanding those costs. If you feel that the expenses are going to be more than $400, yep. if they're exactly. under 400, it's easy, easy peasy. Yes, exactly. So, and even, and we're in, in, in normal tax stuff, it's RSP deadline at the end of February. You should be thinking about that oh, as well. Yes. So nothing, yes. nothing to do with COVID. Just, yeah. We still have the, the deadlines and hopefully there is some money there um, to put into an RSP. We don't want to miss that deadline. Yes. So okay. thank you for that. I know I do want to touch on that in our third segment, moving forward, okay. the distinction between RSPs and TSFAs and what people should be aware of in a yes. year that maybe they haven't made a ton of money, just understanding the difference between the two. Sure. So thank okay. you, Brian. This is going to okay. be a wrap. Brian and I are going to take a brief intermission. Um, I want to thank again, Community Futures of Manitoba for championing this episode. We're going to be back for part two, where Brian's going to walk us through now understanding uh, the COVID benefits that we received for the business. It's an A to Z, <laughs> everything in between. So thank you, Brian. We'll see you back here for part two. All right, welcome back, founders. We're here for part two of the Gab Lab. This episode is all about tax tips and tactics to know, navigate our 2020 tax return um, in conjunction with the uh, COVID benefits that we received uh, last year. So we are joined in the Gab Lab with Brian, Brian Quinlan, who is a chartered accountant and a contributing editor for Canada Money Savers, correct? That's right. Money yes. Saver Magazine. Right. Okay. All right. 
So uh, there's a lot to this one. We're talking all about our, our corporation now and the d different benefits uh, that we received through COVID. Um, I've asked Brian's permission to just kind of run through all the benefits that were out there because they, you might not have recognized them as COVID benefits, um, but just so that we're clear and we're all on the same page of understanding the alphabet <laughs> of COVID benefits that were available That's to letters, us. Yeah. yeah. So we had SIBA, right? The Canadian Emergency Business Account mm -hmm. uh, that was set up. And it's my understanding that was up to $60,000. It and started at 40. Started at 40. 40. And now in late fall, they raise it. To, they can get another 20. So now it's at 60. Yes. Now it's at 60. Uh, many of the founders that I have talked to, they seem to have accessed those funds on a, a line of uh, a credit or a, a visa, visa credit card. Um, yes. Okay. So th that was that was interesting. And, um, and that's because it's, it's all administered, not so much by CRA, but by your bank. By the bank. So okay. your business's bank account really does all the work. Yeah. I'm sure there's some incentive for them with CRA to do all this, but that's right. So if you had a line of credit with your bank, that 40 or 60,000 may have showed up right against that right away. Okay. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the forgivable piece of that and when that's due and how that impacts your taxes. And there's um, a very, that's a good point. People are forgetting about that part. Okay. Okay. So we oh, remind me to touch on that. Okay. Uh, we also had the, the, the triple RF fund. So community futures as our episode champion, they have been diligently working around the clock to get this money out. This is the rural, uh, the rural relief fund that uh, recovery fund that was available for entrepreneurs in rural parts of Canada across, uh, across the country. Yes. Okay. We have, um, remember you're asking a Toronto urban accountant about that. So I don't know if I can <laughs> give, you, give you my two cents on that. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, we had has cap. Am I saying that right? Highly affected sectors availability program. So again, access to money there. We had a loan guarantee that was actually offered by Economic Development Canada, where they were actually guaranteeing 80% of the funds or the loans that you were able to available through financial institutions up to $6.25 million. Right. Um, we had a co-lending situation that was set up with BDC and other financial institutions. Again, $6.25 million. Um, navigated through those financial institutions, but BDC would help to, to top up. We right, have a block right. entrepreneur loan fund, anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $250,000, where they could um, access money there, up to $93 million the government put towards that. Sector support in ag, um, agriculture, uh, aquaculture, sorry, energy, infrastructure, culture, heritage, sports, so money there. And of course, Indigenous entrepreneurship, $306.8 million available through um, Aboriginal financial institutions. And this was both short-term interest-free loans and um, much of it non-repayable contributions. So Right, right. So, so lots of incentives. Involved. A lot of them don't apply to the everyday entrepreneur on, on the street kind of thing, but they're all good. And there's yes. no reason you should take advantage of them. So this right. makes sure you're aware of all the terms to repay if it has to be repaid yes. or if it is going to be forgiven and loan forgiveness is a, is a big deal which we'll talk about with the SIBO we can do that now or do that later Beautiful. or let's do that I'll just layer in here I didn't okay. I didn't even touch upon the provincial benefits right. and programs okay. available I know you're going to not speak to each province but again just what we need to know about our own province and yes 
accessing funds when they're available, but understanding the costs and consequences of accessing that yeah. money, right? Okay. okay. So Brian, this is this is your court. So take it okay. away. Where do we where do we start here? Well, the first one you mentioned, um, the SEBA or Canadian Emergency Business Account, was was um, a very great incentive. So it started off as a forty thousand dollar loan from the government, interest free, until the end of twenty twenty two. So and the idea of this loan was for you to keep your business open. It's to cover all your expenses from uh, rent to buying inventory to keeping your employees on payroll, all that kind of thing. And remember, it's, it's not a subsidy. It, it's a loan. But the, the advantage of that is when it came out, 10000 of the 40000 and now 20000 of the 60000 can be forgiven by the government if you pay it back before the end of 2022. Can so, I just so, repeat that? Oh, yes, sorry. That's a lot of 10,000 of the 40. So when it first came out, 10,000 yeah. was forgivable if it was repaid by a specific date. Yeah. And now when they topped it up to the 60, now 20,000 is the, forgivable the, the, if we That's it. right. So if you borrowed 60,000, 20,000 is potentially forgivable if you pay it back on time. And okay. so that's what most people plan to do is 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 even is is make sure they have the money, the first 40,000 by the end of 2022 is to repaid. So you're going to repay effectively 30 because 10 will be forgiven. So that's, that's the end. It's been interest free. So make, I would make sure you plan to have that money available there. And if you don't, that's okay too. The government won't forgive anything, but they will turn it into, I think it's a, a 5% term loan. So it's, so, it, so you don't have to pay it back by the end of 2022. There's an incentive there to have some forgiven. But let's say you just don't have the 40,000 come the end of 2022. It just turns into an interest-bearing loan. Okay. So a question on that from the from the lessons that you shared with me in the personal tax. If we repay that $10,000, if we repaid it, oh no, sorry, we're talking about corporate tax now. Okay. So but their fiscal year, right? Does does that impact if they repay it within the fiscal year? Are they only getting taxed on the amount of money that they received minus what they repaid? Um, again, it's not taxed at all because it's a loan. So if you were took the most people okay. took the loan of forty thousand out last spring. Now it's okay. at sixty thousand as of the end of the year. So it's it's a loan. So it doesn't hit your income statement. But there's the rub. It does. Because how our income tax works, if you receive a loan which is potentially potentially forgivable, it goes into income. So for the clients we dealt with, um, if they received $40,000, we had to take $10,000 into income this year, even though we don't know if it truly will be forgiven. Okay. Of course, if it's not forgiven because they can't pay it back, we'd get a deduction then. So $10,000 of the $40,000 you received or twenty dollars of the $60,000 you received is taxable. Okay. Uh, whenever you received it. So if your year end was December 31st and you got 60,000 by the end of December, 20,000 would be in your income and you'd have a debt on your balance sheet of due to SIBA repayment of 40. So 10 would be on your income statement, 40 would still be as a liability. So that's what okay. a lot of people are missing. This applies to corporations or um, people who get a SIBA, if you even are in a corporation, as long as you were running a business. 
So this is going to apply to both incorporated businesses, non-incorporated businesses that are sole proprietorships. Yep. The yep. important message in this is that if that money, whatever portion is forgivable, and we ran through a whole bunch of programs there that yes. where some of that money was forgivable, that is going to be taxable. So set that it's money right. aside now. It's, Just, it's right away. It's taxable. Not We don't have to wait to 2022 when it think isn't legally right. forgiven. That's okay. a bit that's how the Income Tax Act works. Okay. So, so. Super important. All right. So thank you for sharing that. So that right. is SIVA. And, you know, I just, I was looking at my notes and I know people are going to ask questions about the Canadian emergency wage subsidy. We'll get to the whole team and personnel piece after, but yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else that we need to know then with any of the money that is coming in to support us operationally outside of, outside of our team, team expenses and employee subsidies? If you're using it for what the the if you're using any money for any program for what it's designed for, you're okay. The difficulty um, some entrepreneurs are having is can they use the money to pay themselves? So if you're a non-arms length employee, like you run your business, mm -hmm. then you're not considered an arms length employee. So you can't give yourself a raise. You can't give yourself a bonus. You can't certainly turn around and give yourself a hundred thousand dollar dividend. So be very very careful with any payments to you. The entrepreneur or the owner or anyone that deals non-arms length with that business that's the, the the truth so that's what cra the whole thing is designed to be a covid relief so paying you more is not a covid relief paying you a dividend is not so much a covid relief it's keeping your employees paying your landlord getting gas for your delivery trucks all those things so be very careful okay. how the money is being used brian that's a really important point i can think of a couple founders right now that <laughs> should be paying close attention to this. And what well, would we're the, seeing what, that now is coming around dividend T5 yes. time and dividends and things like that. It, again, the, the idea of the, all these incentives, as we know, was to um, offset the difficulties of COVID. So it wasn't to enhance the owner's pocket. That's what we have to be very careful. Okay. So. And it's, it's not going to be fair of me to ask you what you speculate the consequence of that would be if CRA was to do an audit to see that that money was being used for personal personal gain or personal benefit that's too far reaching too well, I, th forward. I think i think i think um there there's been some comments though it would have to be repaid and there probably be penalties and interest just like okay you, your taxes assessed so there'd be all that to, okay. to go with that we, we will talk in a couple of years when these audits start i right. guess perhaps and wow. and see what happens so okay that's a really important point thank you for sharing that sure okay okay um Anything else? We're talking about, uh, so interest, free. anything else that we need to know? Sorry, I'm just going through my notes and seeing if anything pops out to me. But and, and not with the, the CBAs, the, the big thing is to make sure that forgivable portions included in income okay. this year, if you receive the, the CBA, and making, controlling how you're using the money. Okay. okay. If you ever had to not defend, how did you use that $60,000? You want to be able to show that you used it for, well, rent buying inventory, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And anything specifically we need to know um, about reporting on that money? Is it just your typical tax return that is, is the reporting process? Or was there, were there measures in place where they were looking for additional documentation to be filed quarterly or, or no, I'm not familiar with that. No, no, nothing at all. I'm not okay. sure what's going to happen at the end of 2022. I know some people we deal with are having difficulty making repayments already. I think um, I think that's solely being set up now. If it's on a line of credit, it's easy to repay. Some people are having difficulties. I think this will all come out in the system 
definitely by the end of 2022, when that's when the, the first 10,000 on the $40,000 loan will be forgiven. I'm sure we'll see okay. some more reporting infrastructure over the next two years. Okay. So. And sorry, just to clarify then, the, the 10,000, that was December, 2022. If you were to repay that 10,000 of the 40,000 that you accessed, that would be forgivable. We're now yep. knowing we're gonna just set that tax aside yes. um, just in the event of. Uh, the, the additional top up there, so if they access 60 and now it's 20, that's, uh, that is forgivable. Is that payment date also December, 2022? I believe, I believe it is, I have to check okay. that, but that's it. Okay. But so if it's, so I'm looking at 20, I guess all the um, incentives we talked about, we'll talk about, are all kind of planned on COVID being over. Like the, right? And so, and that's why we keep getting, more new rules and perhaps better rules because it keeps getting extended because we thought we'd all be finished yes. by now, yeah. but we're not finished. So that's so that's so that's it. So so whatever we're discussing now, I'm sure will change in the next six months. Hopefully for the hopefully for the better. Yes. Or it, we'll, oh. we'll start seeing programs ending. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, we have to do a whole other episode just on the future of our country and our deficit and how we're going to... We, we got to pay know, for this. That's another yeah, we whole do. other we do. question. Yes, okay. Kids and grandkids are going to be paying for this. Yes, okay. Okay, just a question then on some of the provincial programs. I know that there are many entrepreneurs out there. This is where I've received a lot of questions. They've been able okay. to access a number of programs that are really all about training. So it wasn't so much, you know, working capital, but it was specific money that was there to help them and their employees just kind of up their game and yep. uh, get okay. the right information needed. Any feedback on how we, you know, do a tax application on, on those monies? Yeah, well, I'm in Ontario here. So, and, and as an employer, we take advantage of um, some credits we have here or tax incentives uh, from the Ontario government with respect to co-ops we hire and co-ops we hire from graduate to, once they finish school we hire them as, as graduates kind of thing so um, they're not really related to COVID though it, it's just there because they're there again the, um, the governments want you to hire people um, have faith in people in universities so hire co-ops hire interns all that kind of stuff so I think um, I don't think they're directly COVID related they're, they're okay. just there for your provincial. And, and it seems the provinces are much more aggressive on this. It's, it's their belly work versus the federal government. Okay. I think most provinces have, again, incentives for you to go out and hire a young student at a university. The government will kick in and help you with that salary. That's what they do. And of course, that is taxable as well. So, so again, there's not Set often that very money much aside. free money. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that's an important message. Uh, message. I don't know how often you see this, Brian, but the money comes in. Oftentimes, yes. you know, if we can just get ourselves in the practice of just immediately setting it aside. And yes. Okay. Some personal, <laughs> personal mistakes, right? Yes. And okay. That and and getting a bill at the end, and you know, needing to go through a recovery process myself. Yes. Um, okay. So. I, I love advocating, just set it aside. If it's aside, you don't miss it. And then you're not going to get bitten at the end of the year, right? With this huge You're bill. right. It's, it's tough, especially like we, but we go back to Serbs and things. You needed every penny you got. So yeah. it's hard to put, yeah. if I told you your tax bill is going to be 20% on that and you needed it to pay rent and buy groceries. So it's, 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 it's tough, but uh, it's, we're trying to avoid the shock factor on April 30th. So. so is the so. interest rate that CRA charges, is it the same for corporate taxes as it is for personal tax? 
Um, it, it is. It's very expensive interest. Like today, it would be like six dollars, six percent, six percent. Which, which, which right now is is in terms of what you can get on a GIC or in a bank account, is very, very, very high. So, yeah. so, so you want to make sure you cover your CRA debts. Okay. Get that done. Yeah. So, uh, in part three, I'd like to talk a little bit about that too. Just prioritizing what you're getting paid right. paid okay. off. Uh, you know, yep. first, okay. second, third. Good point. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything that we need to talk about about GST or is it same game as always? Uh, uh, GST, we had an economic statement at the end of beginning of no, end of November with Justin Trudeau. And they put some ex extensions in as ex exceptions in as well. So um, okay. for buying PPE and things like that, no big deals though in terms of changing the, the GST. But but this go back to COVID, we didn't really talk about SUS or the Canadian Emergency oh, yeah. Wage Subsidy. Let's do, do that it. now. Okay, yeah, let's so, do that. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting. There was a deadline last, this January 31st, like a week ago, uh, for periods one to five to file, um, to ask for the money. That goes back to day one of COVID, like mid-March mid last year kind of thing. So the government gave you all this time to file. What we really found is many people hadn't filed. Um, many people had filed, first of all, but some hadn't. They were afraid of the the... the it gets a bit numbersome or numbersome, is that a word? Um, this, um, with with the calculations, but it, it really is worth it. Um, so once you've gone through one period of reporting for SUS, um, again, this is the idea of the government wants you to keep your employees on board. They'll help you with their wages and things like that. So it really is worth the effort to go through the numbers and calculate it. And once you've done one period, it just repeats the next period. So, it, so don't get... Don't get, um, say it's too complicated. I, I want the money, but I don't want to go through the hassle. It's not that bad. And, and actually CRA's website has templates to help you calculate um, decline in revenue. Because the whole idea of the wage subsidy, if your revenue has gone down because of COVID, uh, that's the first test, then the government will help out with your, your, your salaries you pay your employees. That's the idea of it. So don't be, don't be afraid of it. I think it would be my comment. And if you need help, there's certainly plenty of help out there, both on the government's website and uh, many accountants and things like that are quite familiar with it and have set up their own spreadsheets or copied the government spreadsheets okay. to calculate this. So okay. That's all I can say is, is don't, don't be afraid of it. So Okay. Well, I think reaching out, right? Reaching out and getting the help if you do feel yes. any intimidation towards this. Okay. And it, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it was my understanding too that once you once you actually did report for that first period, whatever yes. it was my understanding, there was two different approaches you could use to calculate what that what that subsidy was would be. But once you went with that one model of, yes, okay. of calculation, you were then held to that held to using that same. Uh, generally, model. that that's right. So it's how to calculate revenue. Like what is what is your decline in revenue was the main question. And what periods it's based on versus yes. looking back a year ago or looking back at January, February of 2020. How much? So, so that, but that's right. They want really the word, I would say the word to summarize Sue's is consistency. And the, what's kind of replaced that is, or Sue's keeps going on, it's going on to this right now to the summer, to the end of June of, of this year. And it, hopefully it, it may be extended if we need to extend it. It'd be nice if we can cut it off and say we don't need it anymore. but yeah we'll see and then um there's also the, the SIRS or canadian emergency rental rent subsidy which yes. works the exact same way as the SUS. so you apply for it every period and the whole idea of that is if you've had a revenue decline the government will help you out with your rent 
for your business office or the property tax if you own your business office. So, so that's so, so that we don't want to miss those in those subsidies. And so, sorry. So that's a that's a really good point. We for, I forgot to add that one here. The 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 SERS, the Canadian Emergency Rent Subsidy. Yeah. Is it following the same period that you're reporting on your employees is going to? Uh, yeah, it's the same same periods. The periods are different okay. numbers because this one that started um, just before the holiday season, the government changed their rental idea. We had one back in the summer which you had to work with your landlord. Right, I remember that. Subsidy. This one's now just on your own. You and the government are, are just applying for it, but okay. the same calculations as the SUS. So once you've done that calculation, doing the rent calculation is, is very similar. So not no big deal. So. Okay. Can I ask you, this is off topic, on topic. I'm just curious about an accountant's fee structure on this support, because, you, yeah. you know, your accounts are going outside of their norm. This is beyond just your annual tax return now. Yes. Okay. Preparing, mm-hmm. Right. What, what are you seeing or what do you feel is kind of the standard fee structure now? Is it, is it, are accountants charging hourly for this extra support? I, I think um, accountants are charging hourly as they do for all engagements pretty, okay. pretty well. Okay. Um, so to, to assess whether that accountant's fee is valid, I guess, when you look at the benefit you're getting. So if you're getting less than the accountant's fee, then there's no benefit kind of thing. So, so that's, that's like anything, like a tax return is, is how much is my accountant saved me perhaps, but, but that's the thing. So but accountants should be able to quote up front. And once you develop a template for a client, it's very easy to replicate going to the, to the current month okay. as well. So. so good questions to ask. As it, I, I love the word that you have, numbersome, because this yes. can be numbersome for a founder, yes. especially okay. you know, when a lot of them are in, in not so much triage mode now, but they are survival mode, right? Everything they can do. So trying to now add taxes on top of it, this is why but, your account- yeah, That's a, a very good point you've made is, is many people have are, are thinner now. They're, they're less employees. Maybe that bookkeeper that came in every month is no longer coming in every month kind of thing. So to calculate the SUS or the SERS, first question is, what's your revenue this month? And they go, I don't know. Because right. it hasn't been calculated right. kind of thing. So so, right. so that's the first question is we have to compare revenue now to revenue a year ago. So we need those numbers. So there is actually perhaps more incentive to get that bookkeeper in quicker. So it's, yeah. it's you, but you're right. And you, uh, there's lots of lean shops out there right now. Yeah. And when I ask questions about revenue and this, they go, this, it's another, perhaps another headache. But uh, all I can say, it's, it's worth it. It's money there. Um, both the SUS and the SERS are taxable. So, yeah. so it is, it is taxable money. So yeah. remember that. You, you know, you bring up a, you bring up an important um, point about the headache piece. And so, you know, having been in this space for 30 years, it does feel uncomfortable for most founders to deal with money, but yeah. business is about money. If you're not making money, you won't be in business. So really this is priority number one to figure all of this out and taxes aren't, you know, they're, they're not this evil. There's actually tons of incentives that are there. The government wants us to survive, right? So just doing the math, figuring it out, taking ownership of it, but having yes. your account there who's got your back to help you navigate this space and make sure that everything that you can possibly do to support the business through this period is is being um, is being implemented. And oh, exactly. Most entrepreneurs run around, I say, with their heads cut off, picking up they're, they're, they want to find business, right? That's the yes. idea. Yes. And so you either have to have your controller, or your VP finance do this work for you. This, as you know, you want to have a good team. 
Yes. So the entrepreneurs usually in the smaller businesses have no, no, no desire to look at a piece of paper at all or a spreadsheet. So that's why you hire somebody, whether it's internal or external okay. to, to run these numbers. All right, Brian. So my big, my big takeaway is from this are um, that forgivable money is taxable. What, whatever it yeah, decides, whatever the government decides is going to be forgivable, uh, is going to be taxable. Watch the dividends you're paying yourself if you have actually received any of the emergency benefit programs out there for the That's business. right. Or if, you, or if you've increased your salary, maybe you probably yeah. should not increase your salary for 2020 okay, or 2021. That, um, that would be my, my two cents worth. Don't increase you your salary. That's okay. an important one. Um, and then I'm just hearing on the on the SUS, it's really about getting the reporting in and creating some ease of mind with that and yeah. just getting that off of your plate. So get and, that started. And since you've done a SERS, warp in next then the half hour is your SERS. So they're the same calculations. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, thank you again. This was part two of uh, tax tips to navigating 2020 and the COVID benefits that we received. And then Brian's going to join us for part three where once we get our tax return in, I know we're going to be doing a little victory dance and, and some, you know, deep breathing, uh, but how to actually be proactive now about 2021 taxes so that we don't find ourselves kind of in this hornet's nest situation again, leading into tax return next year. So thank yeah. you, Brian. We'll see you in here for part three. Sure. Okay. Thank you. All right, founders, welcome back. We are here for the final segment of uh, episode number seven, which is all about tax tips to navigating our tax return, um, along with the uh, 2020 COVID benefits that uh, that we received last year. So this segment, uh, Brian Quinlan is back with us, chartered accountant, and I, he is going to be sharing with us some ideas and strategies that once we get through uh, April, how we can better prepare ourselves and really kind of take ownership of our taxes throughout the year so that it's smooth sailing come this time next year. All right, Brian, what are your okay. thoughts on this topic? Okay. Um, it, it's a good point. We obviously see lots of clients over the next couple of months for, for tax returns for 2020. And they say, what can you do to minimize my tax bill? And sadly, the answer is it's too late. Um, to be honest, this, you can't restructure a corporation going backwards and you can't restructure a person's flow of income and stuff like that. So the big is always looking forward is what can you do, as you said earlier, in 2021 to de decrease your tax bite going forward kind of thing. There is some things we can do on 2020 returns with pension splitting and things like that. But the majority of your tax savings, whether you're just an individual person or you're a sole proprietor, or you're an incorporated business, will always come going forward. What, what can you do now kind of thing? So the tax return you filed may have just been fine, like you did nothing wrong, nothing illegal, or things like that. But, but could there be a better way to restructure your affairs, again, legally, um, to minimize your tax bite, plus your family's tax bite? I always say don't be a selfish tax return person, taxpayer, I, um, <laughs> sp spread the wealth amongst family members as you can. There's been some rules that kind of cut this down, but we, we'd hate to have a, um, one spouse have a $200,000 income and the other spouse having a zero income. Um, the tax bill for that family w w could be better if they were both at even 
numbers kind of thing. But again, there's been rules or new tax incentives, tax decentives, I guess, to, to do that. But there's still a lot of rules that can be taken advantage of to minimize your family, you and your family's tax bite going forward. Okay. So what, how do we take advantage then? What should we be asking our accountant or, you know, how do we start that process? I mean, what, well, again, the accountant should be telling you. Um, okay. And if <laughs> what they're you not? Do, um, if you're not, then, well, again, that's, that we always say, why, why aren't they kind of thing. So okay. there's many tax preparation services. Like if you go um, and they, they're designed to prepare your taxes and that's fine. That's what you're paying for. But an accountant should be preparing your taxes and also looking forward to restructuring your, your structure of your money or your family, again, if, if he or she can kind of thing. So, so the question you, you want to ask or have them ask you is what can you do to minimize your tax bite next year going forward? Let's say your income was exactly the same um, 2020 or 2021, it's gonna be the same, ignoring any COVID stuff kind of thing, what can you do? And again, the idea is, is there any chance of income splitting? Again, shifting income away from you, perhaps to the spouse, or to a child or the use of a family trust, is would that be a, of use to you? It's obviously costs in setting up a family trust or something like that. But again, the question always is, that's a great idea. Will the benefits outweigh the costs? And if they do, then maybe you should look at that kind of thing. Okay, so, okay. so here's, here's how my mind is interpreting your words. Okay. I'm hearing, have an accountant that probably understands both your personal situation as well as your business situation. Right. You can't really separate them. You can't separate them. So. Okay. Um, although two separate returns, right? But yeah, we're not it's having separate two, accounts. Two separate entities. That's right. You can't right. really, in terms of planning and the way our income tax act works is you can't separate Okay. because the business has to pay the entrepreneur, whether it's paid through salary or pay through dividends. Right. So it's right. two entities, so, but you can't separate. Right. So you can't, planning. we're not yeah. splitting it up there. Yep. They're separate. And I, I just want to clarify that for a lot of founders that are listening, because yes. I know already a lot of founders have a hard time personally separating business expenses from personal expenses, especially yes. if they're self-employed, right? It's like yes. they're using okay. one credit card for everything. But what we're suggesting here is one accountant that knows both what's happening on the business side, knows what's happening on the personal side, and yep. has your best interests with respect to how to mitigate your taxes and be able to take some of those tax dollars and have them potentially reinvested to make sure your overall financial goal is, yep. is being met, that's, right? That, so that, that's exactly right. So. so sitting down with your accountant and asking how to mitigate taxes, both on a corporate mm -hmm. side, on the corporate side, yep. as well as on the personal, personal side, side, right? Okay. and how those two tie together. Exactly. How to, to structure. So let's say you do have a corporation. Um, simple. Are you being paid a salary? And okay, you, um, the, the first answer would be if you're in business and you have a corporation, in terms of tax rates, the answer would be don't pay yourself a salary, don't pay yourself a dividend. But practically, you probably have to buy groceries, right? So you have to pay yourself something. Should that be yes. salary? Should that be a dividend? Should it be a combination of both? And, and how much? Okay, because okay. the probably the corporate tax rate is lower than your personal tax rate. So we want you to live on as little as possible. The money is always there, though. It's not like, but that would be the general plan. Perhaps you have a spouse that's working, and he or she can fund your family's living expenses. So I'd want more money to stay inside the corporation versus outside the corporation because of the lower tax rate in the corporation. 
Okay. So I'm curious if I love to see scenarios. I love to see when I'm speaking to an accountant or a lawyer, you know, the accountant I see is about mitigating my taxes. The accountant I see is about mitigating my risk. I love to see, okay, show me what happens with the numbers in scenario A, scenario B, scenario C, and then, you know, give me an understanding of the costs and consequences. And then let me make that decision. Is that tedious for an accountant? Do accountants hate it? Because that's a lot of calculation. Or do you have all the templates and spreadsheets? So it's like, if we did this, this is what it looks like. If we did this, this is what it looks like. We have all the templates. Yeah, this is what we do (laughs) all the time. So So and we're always always thinking, uh, we're always thinking, as I said, I can't make you money. I can let you keep your money. That's what my role is to do. I can't make you a dollar, but I'll let you keep. 50 cents of that, or maybe I'll do better and let you keep 80 cents of that. Then you'll be really happy, that kind of thing. And I can do that. So that's exactly what we do. We look at the very, very, very bottom line. You can't go any lower right. than, than us kind of thing. So, wow. so, but that's exactly what accountants do. And that's how we'd explain it. If you go this route, it's going to, you're going to save 80 cents on the dollar. If you go this route, it's going to cost you 50 cents on the dollar. Okay. So, so if you, that, that, that's, that's what we do. Well, that's a great soundbite. I like it. I can't make you money, but I can, I can save you money. I can help you keep your money. So yeah, that's, that's uh, we're exactly using it. that one. Okay. All can, right. I'm sure I stole it. So okay. <laughs> anonymous. All right. Um, would you mind walking us through, I get asked this all the time from founders and employees like, but um, the differences between a TSFA, a TSFA, no, yep. TFSA, a tax-free yes. savings account, and the RRSP. Yes, uh, okay. Because we're at this time now where they're going to be hearing or seeing a lot of messages that are like, you get to top up your RRSPs yep. this year. You've got until, yes. I don't even know when the deadline is. Yep. Walk us through the difference between both and what we just need to be aware of before we rush to put everything into an RRSP, whatever okay. we have, if we have something to put in. Right. Well, the RSP deadline, if you want a deduction on your 2020 return, there's that 60 day extra window. So you have until the end of February. I think a deadline's really March 1st. So you can run to your investment advisor and give he or she some money and get a deduction on your 2020 return if you have the contribution room kind of thing. So the RSP, the answer should I have an RSP maxed out and a TFSA maxed out? The, the best answer is, is yes to both. All right, but that's a lot of money, perhaps, right? And then, so people say, I don't have that much money. Okay, so then I then I would probably say, well, when do you need this money? So if someone is is twenty years old, and looking at perhaps um, getting married or paying for a buried or buying a car, or they're going to need the money in the short term, I lean more towards the TFSA because as the name, it's an S. It's a tax-free savings account, so it's not designed, perhaps, to wait all the way to retirement, but it can be. But so I think if younger people I would deal with, I think it's been more attractive to the younger generation is they put money and they don't get a deduction for it. With an RSP, if you put money into your RSP, you get a tax deduction for it. So if you put money into a TFSA, there is no tax deduction for it. The money does grow tax-free as it does in an RSP. But when you collapse the TFSA, the money comes out all tax-free. So there's no tax at all, no tax deduction, no taxable income. With the RSP though, you take your money out, it's tax. So you get a tax deduction going in, but you get a tax coming out kind of thing. So that's, right. so that's it. So if you think you're going to need the money, um, so I'm looking at younger people, like perhaps buying a car, mm-hmm. uh, putting a down payment on a house, then the TFSA would be the, the bigger one. So, Because it's also about the fees attached to taking out, right? If you touch your RRSPs, you're going to get 
Well, it, it, it's tax. Let's so watch the, the fee. It's just that okay. you're going to have to pay a tax bill kind the of tax. thing. Okay. And, you, and you've lost that RSP contribution room forever. So if the TFSA, if you take money out, your contribution room regenerates. So if you put $6,000 in today, as we all yeah. could, and you took it out, that $6,000 will add to your contribution limit next year. So next year. The end of it. Okay. So yes. that's it. So, you, so with RSP, you take money out. It was just, it doesn't regenerate the contribution room. So you just lost okay. that contribution room. So if you think you're going to need the money, um, I lean more towards the TFSA. But if yes. you're more really looking for an extra retirement, fund your RSP first and then fund the TFSA and never touch it until you retire. Okay. Well, and so you, you brought up a really important point because I know several people, several clients of mine actually had a, 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 a unfortunate consequence of then topping up their TSFA. They took money out and then they went yes. to put it back in and they yeah. failed to, to understand that it had to go in the year after, right? Mm -hmm. Putting it in that same year, put them over what that contribution limit was. Exactly. That's, that's, been, that's been a problem since day one of the TFSAs. Yeah. And also the difficulty if you deal with more than one institution, say you have a bank. Yes. TFSA, and you also may have one, you mean an investment advisor, it says give me your TFSA money, and they're not talking, no one's really know if you've contributed or not, so suddenly you've made two contributions, and you're over, kind okay. of thing, so that's yeah. been tough, and then you'll, you, you will get a bill, that both an RSP over contribution and a TFSA contribution, the penalty is expensive, it's 1% per month, so that's 12% per year of what wow. the penalty is, so you really don't want to go offside that. The, the good news is the government's been a bit taxpayer friendly, if you want to call it that, with TFSA over contributions. If you really did make a mistake, you can ask for them to be really say, I'm soups, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Can you forgive this penalty? And they often will. First time. The oh, first time. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. go two or three times with it, but they will. So that's been one thing. With an RSP, if you go over, there's no relief kind of thing. So that's because the TFSA is the new kid on the block. New being, it's I think it's 10 years old now, but it's still the the newest okay. investment vehicle we have uh, registered plan. Okay. And so again, in, uh, so I'm thinking in, in my world, as I would approach the accountant, I would probably want to see the scenarios. I would want to understand if I have extra money and I'm looking to invest it, I would want to understand what my taxable income was for this, for 2020. Yes. I would want to understand that, you know, if I'm over a specific bracket, whatever bracket I'm in, if I took that out and put that into an RSP, what impact would that have on my tax dollars or what, yes, okay. what impact yep. would that have on my return? And just kind of calculate that math to make, to see if it would make sense to actually put that money, if I'm in a low income year, if it would make sense to put that money in an RRSP. Yes. Or would the savings on the capital gains in a TSFA actually outweigh the savings on my taxes for this specific year. Yeah, it's it's cloudy. No, you're I right. Know people Plus are trying the, to follow this ball back and forth, but yeah. No, but if you don't, um, I'll lead to that is many people's income for 2020 because of COVID may be low. Yes. But let, let's say it's gotten better in December and now it's better now. I'd still want them to maximize the RSP, but we don't have to take a deduction for it. We can save that deduction for another year. So okay. if you so if you had a low income year, especially if you're starting out force or because of COVID, your income has been quite low, or you took a year off, say you're on mat leave or something like that, then I still want you to fund your RRSP, but you don't have to take a deduction for it. You can save that deduction for a future year when your taxable income is higher and your tax rate is higher. 
Gotcha. So, so okay. meanwhile, the money is growing inside your RSP tax-free. That's a good thing. But the deduction, you're not handcuffed to take the deduction in the year. So even if you contribute now, like today, you don't have to take a deduction in 2020 or 20, 2021. Let's say you're going to be have really high income in 2022 or 2023. When your kids are at school and you're finished mat leave, I'll take the deduction in those years and get a bit better bang for okay. your buck in terms of the tax wow. relief. So, I didn't, I didn't know that. So, so thank so you. That's, so that's the kind of thing. Yes. Make maximum okay. RSP contribution, but perhaps not deduct it right away. Okay. Save it. Brilliant. So. Um, and so the last question in this segment, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious because I think a lot of founders are going to find themselves probably saddled with a considerable amount of debt um, from 2020, whatever that might look like. Maybe people have remortgaged homes, you know, tapped out credit cards, lines of credit, and yes, now okay. their tax bill is going to come due. Um, maybe they owe something, maybe they don't, but now we're going to have another debt that's on there. Another debt, it could be credit card debt or line of credit debt at your bank or right, yes. Okay. Right. So what, what feedback do you have as an account when you're speaking to your clients around how do you prioritize what debt to get paid first? Uh, well, the, the first one is, is there's good debt and bad debt, of course. So if you've had, um, if you borrowed for your business, um, then that interest should be tax deductible. So if you went out to the bank during the COVID benefits, I need $50,000 to buy a new machine, or I need $50,000 to cover my rent for the next four years or the next four months, that interest will be deductible because you're borrowing to earn business income. So, so that's what I call good debt. Um, but let's say you borrow to go on a vacation or you borrow to pay off your mortgage, your personal mortgage, that interest isn't tax deductible. So I'd want that to be paid off first. So look at what's good interest and what's bad interest first, ignoring okay. rates and things like generally ignoring rates. Okay. And I want your personal debts taken care of first because that interest is not tax deductible. So that personal credit card, if it hasn't been used to fund the business, should be paid off first. If the personal credit card has been used, though, to fund the business, uh, and you can prove that through the line items on the credit card, yep, that yep. interest attached to those expenses is... It would be tax deductible. It would be that's tax right. deductible. Okay. Exactly. And that's okay. where I really focus on trying to really keep your, as you mentioned, your personal and your corporate affairs separate. So okay. I'd want your loans to be, if we can have the paperwork, because one thing CRA often looks at is interest deductibility. They're going to say, prove it. Yeah. And if you start getting credit cards and saying, well, this was personal, but this was business and this is personal, it just gets, it's messy, messy and more yeah. tough to defend and things like that. Yeah. So numbers, so yeah, numbers, <laughs> and no one believes you. Okay. And then, so if you can keep, so look at personal interest, getting that paid off first. And if it's, let's say you have no personal debt, that's great. Then um, interest is tax deductible. People say, well, why bother paying it off? Well, you're still out of pocket money, even after the tax savings is is you're out of pocket. So I look at the highest interest rate first, okay? Okay. Um, we talk about CRA's interest rates, which may be lower than your credit cards, but it's nice to get rid of CRA, not getting those hate mails every month. So asking, right. telling, but but anyway, if, you, if you're paying credit card interest at 21, 22%, I'd want you to knock those down. Right, so. especially if people missed payments last year, right? You know, as soon as you start missing payments, they yes. edge the interest rate up higher, Right. It does. There's penalties. If you get into a couple of years of, of being behind in taxes, then there's interest rates that are penalizing interest rates. So it, it goes up. So you've got to balance. Okay. Um, and no one really likes CRA calling. Collections will call. Um, this last year, they've been quite generous with COVID. 
um, in terms of calling. Okay. But as we kind of come out of COVID here, I can see collections and assessing getting back on the horse and things okay. like that. Yes. Okay. And can you just clarify, I know that, you know, there's always, there's always discussion around the power that CRA has to seize accounts, to stop operations, right. To be able to collect what it is that they need to collect. Yes. It, it, do you have any feedback on that? Is there anything like, should we be scared? Should we not? Like what, at what point do they actually start seizing accounts? Um, CRA, I would think is, is, they, if you owe money on April 30th and don't pay by May 1st, they're not going to lose your house right away. But I would take, take the debt seriously. So okay. is they do have the powers of perhaps not taking your house, but freezing your bank accounts to make you sell the house to pay off. That's an extreme. Like that's after okay. many years and many letters and many, um, the best deal is if you really do have a debt, the CRA, you can't take care of is work out a deal with them say I will pay a thousand dollars a month for the next four years and stick with it and then CRA will leave you alone Beautiful. as long as you stick with your your debt kind of thing so um, I think sorry Brian it, to and then if it really that. is really unbearable then there's people you can talk to that know about making proposals to all your creditors and things like that. right right that's, that's okay a, a, a next step kind of thing. Yeah. And we do, we, we've run a couple of episodes with those discussions. So if, yes. if founders okay. you're listening to this or watching this and you're curious, just go back to, you know, I, I believe it's episodes four and, and five where we start talking about debt and some of your options there, but thank you for that, Brian. I think that gives okay. people a little bit of peace of mind. Um, you know, as, as past pros have said too, do not go into dark mode, do not go into silence yes. mode, communicate, let them know what's happening. And even just small chunks of money, if you can, and like, yep. you, you know, okay. to your point yep. is, uh, it just, it lets them know you're doing the best that you can with the tools that you have, right? We've, mm -hmm. we've been through a year, like, uh, unlike any other out yes. there. Okay. So Brian, thank you. Any, anything that you want to add? We covered a lot of ground today. I so appreciate your time and your insight. Okay. Um, the, the best things I think uh, to, to jump in are, are to be organized in terms of the tax season coming up with this and then, and looking forward, what can you do to um, change your structure, especially if you have corporations and you're an entrepreneur, what can you do to make sure you're taking advantage of all the current uh, income tax incentives? Again, nothing fraudulent, nothing aggressive. There's just yeah. tried, tested and true black and white tax planning things that um, um, there could be put in, could be very easily put in place kind of thing. Perfect. That, that just speaks to your point that you said the only way to save taxes is in going forward. There's nothing that you can do when you've already spent the money. Very so little. Yes. Okay. When you get this done, you know, your 2020 is done and filed. Now that is the time to sit down with your account and say, okay, now what can we do going forward? What do we need right. to adjust exactly. this time yep. next year? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, Brian, thank you. Um, I believe that you said that you're available for founders to contact you, correct? Sure. Okay. You are yep. in the province of Ontario. So yep. making okay. that clear. Uh, Brian's yep. contact information is in the show notes below. Um, again, just feel free, please download the free playbook and the tools that are available with this segment. And just a, a big shout out to our champion again for this episode, Community Futures of Manitoba. Uh, they have been instrumental in helping business owners across that province, but Community Futures runs the gamut coast to coast. And so if you are in a rural community, make sure to reach out to your CF office. They're there to, uh, to support you and, and walk you through this. All right, that is it for me. Thank okay. you so much, Brian, for joining. You're very welcome, it's fine, okay. The founders listening, stay strong, stay safe and stay financially fierce and you've got this tax return done. Good job, everybody. Okay, we'll see you for the next episode of The Gab Lab. Bye.